Hello, welcome to the Revive for the Journey podcast, where we give you this week's message from Cove Church. We pray that it blesses you and helps you grow deeper in your journey with Christ. Enjoy. Hello, church. Um, When you hear the words heart problems or heart condition, you probably think immediately about a cardiologist who specializes in problems of the heart. Well, a lot of times when someone's having heart problems, they may need um, a heart transplant or a bypass. Today, we're going to talk about heart health, the heart that represents who you are and who I am on the inside. And through his word and his spirit, he wants to regularly perform heart procedures that only he can perform. My husband works in medical sales and wears scrubs most days. And if you know him, you know that he is a professional storyteller and can sell you anything, even if it is completely unnecessary. And when our girls were little, they didn't really understand how to explain what their dad did. So they just figured it was easier to just tell people their dad was a doctor. Now, I trust him with my heart, but I for sure would not trust him with a scalpel to my heart. I'm going to leave that for the professionals. Today, we get to wrap up our series in Galatians with chapter 6. And a whole chapter in 25 minutes is a lot. So you're going to have to bear with my fast talking. So let's look at this first part. Galatians 6, 1 through 3. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. We don't work independently. We work in a team. The body of Christ, the church, functions only when the members work together for the same cause. Paul states, share one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. Paul has this radical understanding of how we are to love each other. Please take careful notice to the word gently. Merriam-Webster defines gently as free from harshness, sternness, or violence. Gentleness is also one of the fruits of the Spirit. There is also 47 verses in the Bible that are about gentleness, and yet sometimes it's hard to see displayed in our world today. But Paul goes on to say, be careful to recognize that you are every bit as vulnerable to any of the temptations as anyone else is. Basically, you're not all that, and rather recognize personal health. This brings me to my first point, it takes a village. If you have been around here for a while, you would know that my title has changed over the years. And at the end of the day, I don't really care what my title is, but I suppose it is helpful for some of you to know what I am. But what I am most passionate about is people connecting with each other, no matter the age, whether that be through a small group, a picnic, a volleyball game, a sunshine box, or serving on the same team. I believe that the best way to see Jesus is through other people, which means we have to be in relationship with others. 
We were created in God's image, which means we were exactly created for relationships. On the flip side, the best way to see the ugliness in the world is through other people who claim to be Christians but act exactly the opposite. I take the part that says share one another's burdens very seriously. Every time I get some crazy idea, I call my dad and I say, Dad, I have an idea. And his first response is, how much is it going to cost me and how much time? It's always a family affair to shoulder the burdens of my ideas. There comes a time in all of our lives on our journey when we cannot bear the weight of our own situation around us or the life that has been dealt to us. Share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Remember last week, Galatians 5, 14. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you want to fulfill a law, fulfill this one. Let's take a look at verses four through five. Pay careful attention to your own work for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. It's really easy to not see the hardness in our own hearts when we have our eyes fixed on the world and our focus are on all of the ways that they could do better. Because you know what? That takes zero work on our end. The poison of comparison seeps in and we are caught in the one-upping of each other. And again, our focus is on others instead of standing firm in the human that God created you and me to be in this life. Bearing one another's burdens in this way is a tall order, a fine line to walk. The temptations of excess meddling, self-deception, and judging our neighbors is ever-present. Yet we are called to be an alternative community of God's grace, mercy, healing, and restoration in an unforgiving world. This is possible only by the Spirit, only by God remaking us a new creation in Christ. Let's move on to verses six through eight. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers sharing all good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to justify their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. You only harvest what you plant. It would be a shock if you planted a watermelon and up came corn. And this is true in all areas of our lives. We get what we put into it. You only harvest what you plant. I have some good friends that bought 40 acres and their ultimate goal is to eventually be able to completely live off of the land. So in doing that, they have to figure out how to generate money from the property. And my friend really, really loves flowers and all things planting and gardening. And so she decided she was gonna plant this whole area of a bunch of flowers that she could harvest and make bouquets and sell them and also sell the flowers to other designers. So over the last two years, she's been working on this and she has planted over 5,000 seeds just in flowers. 
And it, of course it is beautiful now. I have a picture to show you of her beautiful piece of property and all of her flowers. So this is my thought, church. What would it look like if we envisioned this same thing, but with people? What if we each planted over 5,000 seeds every year? How many seeds are you planting? Faith working through love is God's work in us from beginning to end. Paul wrote another letter to the church in Philippi and said this, Philippians 2, 1 through 2, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and one purpose. Many people, including Christians, only live to please themselves or to impress others. Paul is stressing the importance of spiritual unity, asking the Philippians to love one another and to be one in spirit and purpose. When we work together caring for other people's problems as if they were our own problems, we demonstrate Christ's example of putting others first and experience this unity. Okay, so my first point was it takes a village. Second is it takes determination. Galatians 6, 9 through 10 says, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap the harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. It is discouraging to give and give and do good and never feel any sort of encouragement or thank you. But Paul is encouraging the Galatians to keep doing what is good, to keep working hard, and they will eventually see the harvest of their determination. Are you happy with your harvest? I was a children's pastor for a long, long time. So let's talk about a thankless job. Kids do not thank you for valuing their lives, for loving, for putting sweat, blood, tears into a ministry. They just don't, they don't see it. Just like your own children probably don't tell you, thanks for loving me, or thanks for cooking me dinner, or all the other daily tasks that we do as parents. They just don't see the value in it. And frankly, sometimes the only things you hear from the parents are all the things that you could do better. The number one thing that I always reminded all of the leaders that served in kids ministry was that they had to trust in the process of planting seeds, that they were in fact planting those seeds and that someone else was gonna come along and water the seeds and someone else was gonna come along and harvest the seeds. This is trusting in that process. They undoubtedly will have people come up to them in heaven and tell them, thank you for teaching in my class when I was a kid though. That's trusting in the process that God has laid out before us without ever seeing a harvest or even getting a thank you. Sometimes we're planters, sometimes we're waters, sometimes we're harvesters. They're all equally as important because without one, we don't get any of it. I ask the question a lot, what is my purpose and what is my calling? But the conclusion I've come to is it's pretty simple and we actually all have the same calling even though it may look very different. Matthew 5, 13 through 16 talks about salt and light. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. 
You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. If a seasoning has no flavor, it's of no value. If we as Christians make no effort to affect the world around us, we are of little value. Grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning it. We work hard in the kingdom not to earn our salvation, but because of it. Jesus is our greatest example of this. He never hid from the darkness. He walked right into it every single time. If the only people you ever come in contact with look exactly like you, you're hiding your light from a world that desperately needs Jesus. Maybe try walking around singing this little light of mine as a constant reminder. And most importantly, Matthew 28, 19, known as the Great Commission. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is for every single one of us who has been made new in Christ Jesus. We cannot go out in the world and expect people to act like Christians. Half the time, we can't get Christians to act like Christians. They haven't signed up for the same thing as us. If we are called to be salt and light to the world and bring Jesus to them, we have to be willing to go into the dark places and listen, listen to them tell their stories and not cringe and not make faces at the only world that they know and they live in. If all we do is talk at them and tell them all the ways that they live their lives wrong, why would they ever listen? Why would they ever want to be a part of our group? One of my most favorite things about this church is in every conversation, it involves the questions, how will this love our community? How do we speak a language they will understand? How do we create a bridge for them to easily walk over? If we only speak Christian language, how will they ever understand or even relate to it? If God's perfect love saves people, then that is how we are to love the most lost. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living in you and me. When we are living for other people and planting seeds all over God's kingdom, we are using that same power. Okay, we're almost through this chapter. So my first point was it takes a village. Second point, it takes determination. And third, it takes heart. Let's read Galatians 6, 11 through 16. Notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. Those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. And even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in the world has been crucified and the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. 
May God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. Paul is desperately reminding us of how important it is to not just focus on the one thing without paying any attention to anything else. The world is full of enticements and we are confronted daily with cultural pressures. There are, there's no shortage of finger pointing for whatever is perceived to be wrong and no shortage of judgment for those perceived to have done something wrong. Way too often those experiencing crisis in their lives avoid the church for fear of judgment or being smothered by condescending caregivers. The person or family in crisis grows more isolated and the community of faith is not a place of healing and restoration it is intended to be. I'm not sure if I've heard anything more heartbreaking. Church, how do we change this? In contrast is Paul's understanding of responsibility we bear for one another. The responsibility extends to restoring one who has transgressed, but in doing so with the spirit of gentleness, without judgment and without an air of condescension. It means bearing one another's burdens, recognizing our own vulnerability and sharing the guilt and pain of the transgression as well as the responsibility of healing and restoration. A quote from an, from an invitation to a journey by Robert Mahalad is, discipleship is the process of being transformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. I also love the part of, the, of verse 15 that states, what counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5:17. therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. Jesus is about complete transformation, a new creation. Galatians 2.20 reminds us, my old self has crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body, trusting the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. One of our values here is process. We believe that becoming like Jesus is an ongoing, imperfect journey. It is so easy to get caught up in the externals and focus on the things that we ourselves do not struggle with without ever taking into account that we all have our own stories and our own humanness. I think sometimes we stand for the wrong things and instead of bringing people into the kingdom of God, we scare them away. We need to be aware of those that emphasize actions that we should or shouldn't do with no concern for the inward condition of the heart. A great quote that we could all live is stated by Theodore Roosevelt, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. We have to be more concerned for the heart. Living a good life without an inward change leads to a shallow or empty spiritual walk. Paul's reminder to the Galatians declares freedom for the Christ follower. Imagine a prisoner being let out of jail and he immediately turns around and goes right back into his cell. Instead of going back in, use your freedom to live for Christ. Lastly, Galatians 6, 17 through 18. From now on, don't let anyone trouble me with these things. For I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen.
a new creation to the image of Christ as showing faith in him is the greatest distinction between one person and another. And a blessing is declared on all who walk according to this rule, the blessings of peace and mercy. Church, we have to do better. People outside don't care what we have to say. They don't care what we believe in. They don't care what we have to stand for until we figure out how to love each other and love one another, until we can figure out how to bear one another's burdens without judgment and condescending attitudes. What does the world see when they look on the inside? If we can't get Christians to be kind to each other, why in the world would we ever think that those same group of people are gonna be kind to the world, red, yellow, black, and white? Of all the commandments, the greatest is love. Paul's foundation of this very important personal letter is the love and grace of Christ. I'll conclude with this. We live in a world with a loss of hope and desperation for something better. And I do believe that the majority of people want a better life for themselves, for their grandchildren, for their children, and they just aren't sure how to accomplish it. I also know that violence does not fix violence, that payback is not the answer, that getting our point across is not the answer, and our soapbox on social media is for sure not the answer. Sometimes maybe our words are taken out of context, or maybe we didn't completely mean what we had intended. But in a time where everything will be torn apart and blasted everywhere, I would hope that those that truly love Jesus would really take into consideration how our every words are taken by that same world that we say we are trying to love. That is not the kind of radical love that Jesus speaks about. And I believe that this breaks Jesus's heart as it should ours as well. I want to leave you with this encouragement. Jesus is about love and grace and mercy. And that is also offered to you and to me. If you are feeling crushed under the world right now, either by the life that has been dealt to you or by your own decisions, we are your people. We are your community. This is a safe place for you. And there's a community here that wants to help you pick up the broken pieces. God is for you, not against you. And church, this is a gift that we get to be this community. We get to bring hope and joy to a world because the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living in all of us. No matter what your harvest has looked like in the past, today is a new day. Go plant the seeds, go give them Jesus. Jesus, we ask that you would cover us with your wisdom to know the things that your people need, to know the words that your people need to hear and to know the burdens your people need help picking up the pieces. I ask that you would give us eyes to see people the way you see them, the way you created them. I ask that you would give us grace we need to love the most lost in our world. Jesus, I ask that you would give us a new boldness to go into the dark places in search of the lost. And I ask that you would shine your light through us on a hilltop for the world to see. And lastly, Jesus, I ask that you would give courage to those that are feeling the weight of the world on their shoulders that you would surround them with your peace and reassurance that you have their whole world in your hands. I ask that you would come and strengthen this community to help each other mend those broken areas. Jesus, you are the ultimate surgeon.
that mends our hearts back together. We trust you with all of who we are. We trust you with this world, that you are for us and not against us. Jesus, I ask that you would blanket this place with your peace beyond what we can understand and the love and a love that only you can give. Jesus, we are grateful for the scars that we bear as a sign that we belong to you. Thank you for saving us, for loving us, and giving us freedom in you. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. To stay connected with all things Cove Church, visit our website, covechurchpnw.com, or on all social media platforms at Cove Church PNW. We'll see you next time.